James chapter 1 and verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that is that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A passage, if ever there was one, to start reading today's New International Version, which takes out the meal and makes it a little bit more unified. I did that yesterday morning in Coleraine, but the number of times in that passage that you have to say he and she and woman and man, we could have been here a while. But a, a lesson or a note for myself as we look at our readings in the future. The word became flesh. Not satisfied with Old Testament books. The word became flesh. Not satisfied with prophets, patriarchs, and psalmists. The word became flesh. Not satisfied with temple worship. The word became flesh. And lived for a while among us. Not satisfied at being in a high and holy place. And lived for a while among us. Not satisfied at being in the holy of holies. And live for a while among us, not satisfied at shouting from a distance. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. And Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. The eternal focused on a moment. The voice becomes a listener. The word becoming flesh and blood close enough to whisper. The beyond the world's comprehension moves right into the midst of her. Heaven stoops to touch the earth close enough to whisper. Close enough to touch her. Close enough to kiss her. Close enough to be broken. Close enough to whisper. For God so loved the world, he emptied himself to visit her, came down to walk beside her close enough to whisper. The eternal focused on a moment. The voice becomes a listener. The word becoming flesh and blood close enough to whisper.
James is telling us, and I think it's right, is it not, that we add woman to the play because a woman spends more time in front of the mirror in the morning than a man does, I'm sure. But anyway, the Word tells us that those of us who look in the mirror and do nothing about it, am I really the one to start sharing this? Anyway, the one who looks in the mirror and does nothing about it is foolish. Because the Word has been given to us as a mirror, those of us who read it and do nothing about it are just as foolish. James is asking for action more than words. James is asking for the words that we read on a Sunday and read during the week and sing together and think about and ponder and can rhyme off. James is asking that those words become flesh, that we don't talk about it, but that we do it. And what is doing it? James sums it up in those last words. What does God the Father accept as pure and faultless? To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself pure from an unpolluted world. And right there in the way the word becomes flesh is our personal nurture, but also our community outreach and our neighborhood outreach. James is asking of the early church, the early believers, that the word would be alive in them. And of course, all he was doing was reminding us of what Jesus had modeled. John chapter 1. The word became flesh. 39 books in the Old Testament were good at revealing who God was. But God didn't think it was good enough. God realized that the best revelation of who he was was to become human like we are, to move into our neighborhood, as one translation has put it, to set up his tent amongst us, as another translation has put it, to dwell among us. For God, the books of the Bible are inspired by him. They're all very good. We can study them. We can do degrees in them. I'm not taking any jobs away from any among us today. But... He says, we want to make this word flesh. I was sharing with the Abana group yesterday, 40 or 50 people who'd been in Uganda during the summer and were coming back. How do you apply what you've seen when you've been away from home in your own personal life? I guess some of our uh, teens uh, will know about that from being in Romania in the summer. And I was sharing with them this whole truth about the importance of the word becoming living. And I was saying this, if we go down into the Holy Lands this week and we say to someone, Jesus was divine, they can argue with that. If we go and we say, you know, you're a sinner and Jesus saved to die for you on the cross and you need to put your trust in him, they can argue with that. But if you give them a meal in the 4S club or in the community monthly lunch, or if we go out and we give them some soup on a Thursday night or tea and coffee. Can't argue with that. We can argue about the words and the ideas around Jesus, 
but nobody can argue with the things that Jesus did. I think that's what the flies were onto this morning. What do you mean they're murdering him? Not because of the ideas of who he was, because they had seen, I know it's only a story. My granny used to say about TV, you know, it's make-believe, Steve. She did believe that Crossroads and Coronation Street were only make-believe. We shouldn't get too tied up in it. But these are real stories that we're seeing from the, vet, the vantage point of a fly, and the flies were right. What? They didn't consider this. What are they putting out? Look at the things that he did. Can't argue with that. Then you get the opportunities to share the words about him. But we've got to start by making this flesh. I think I, in the middle of my Mark series, <clears throat> I was actually very lucky because uh, lucky, providential, whatever way you want to describe those words. Let's not get too caught up in it. But anyway, um, I'm in Northern Ireland. I always try to defend every word I say, just in case. Um, so um, I got fortunate because um, something dropped out of my Bible as I was speaking, and it was notes for one of my Mark talks that was pretty similar to the one I was doing this morning. I thought, oh, we've already done that one. So um, you were lucky you're not getting a repeat. But a couple of the things do come back in today, and one of them was when we go to South Africa, when we went to South Africa with uh, our Project Cape Township, and we went into Gugaletu, Spiwo Kapili would have said to us lots of times in, a, in a, that African accent that he has, God, flesh on. The community needs to see God flesh on. Not a concept of God, but they need to meet in their daily walk God flesh on. I think that the birth and the stable will come to this at Christmas. I'm looking forward to it already. That, um, that that's the secret of our evangelism. Now, I used to be trolled out, sadly, in my early 40s, and I'm now in my very late 40s. Um, but in my early 40s, I used to be trotted out um, to, do, um, to be the youth guy for presbyteries, to tell them how they should do work that would attract our young people. And I always thought it was Garth's dad that used to, uh, and with great privilege, I used to go with him around the country. And, uh, and yet I was thinking, am I the youngest one out there that could do that? Because I felt at 40 that I was quite a distance away from her, 20-somethings. But as we went and we kind of talked about that, and they said, is it a drum kit? No, it's not. Is it getting rid of the pews? No, it's not. What is it that's the secret of evangelism? I think Jesus gave us it. The Word became flesh and moved in amongst them. We're into micro-evangelism as opposed to the macro-evangelism. We're not going to do a week's mission here anymore. We're going to take all the energy and all the funds that would go into a week's mission, and we're going to go and meet people every day for the three years that we would have done planning to get them in for a week. Micro-evangelism. Relational evangelism. God flesh on evangelism. Last week we talked about having a vision for the city. And we have that vision for the city. And Heather's already touched on that again this morning. But she also touched on, and I think moves us into the sermon today, with this idea of neighborhood. We have, for whatever reason, whether it's historically or a decision we made, we are here on University Street. Fitzroy Avenue just beside us and Magdala Street going down in between. This is our location. This is where we've got real estate. This is where we've invested our place. We are a part 
of a wider community. And we can't just sit here and come in our cars and go out in our cars and forget about where we are. Because that would be an incredibly bad flesh-on witness to those who live around us. We need in our community to be visible. It's why I just want the doors of the church open more. Because so many people go past and a, a girl come in during the week of prayer. She was looking for the tango classes. And I said, they're not here, but you can stay for prayer. And immediately we're Northern Ireland, for goodness sake. We found a, a friend in common and we started to talk. And she said, you know, I've walked past here for years. And it's great just to come in and see what it's like. Or the people that come in because we have a TV out in the foyer at the minute. And we're being relayed out to the foyer so that the welcome team can hear. But the three or four people that walked in the other week and watched the sermon on the TV for part of it, the doors are open. When doors are open, people feel they might just sneak in. And they might not the first time we open it. But if the doors are open for a period of time, we're visible. We're alive. They might come and meet us. Or we might and should be going out the doors to meet them. We need to be visible. We need to be listeners. There's lots of people in our neighborhood that just want somebody to listen to and there's nobody there. We need to listen to what the needs of the neighborhood are before we arrogantly from our lovely Presbyterian understanding and knowledge go out and tell them what their needs are. What are the things that this community yearns for and longs for and needs? We need to listen. We need to be healers. There's lots of hurt, lots of pain, lots of struggle going on in our community, whether it's the university or the commerce. Stephen Anderson did a mapping of Botanic Avenue at the start of the summer. He did another one at the end of the summer. It's almost a different street. Cafes have gone, shops have closed, others have tried to open. In the middle of a recession, Botanic is a commercial area in need. We need to go and be people who might be able to heal some of the hurts and some of the pains that are going on. We need to be peacemakers. We are in a divided community. Not Catholic and Protestant, student residents. There's a war raging, literally, on our doorstep. Could we, as the peacemakers that God calls us to be, do something in trying to heal that? We need to be resources. If we do start to think about changing our church, holes in the, in the back here and doing something with the buildings. We need to listen and say, what does this community need? Could we be a resource for this community? Are there things that the community needs that we as the kingdom of God could give them? And we need to find out what's going on in the streets. I went to the South Belfast Health Partnership and I found out that Strand Millis, a bit peeved at this actually, Strand Millis is the healthiest ward in Belfast. I thought we in the Malone Road and the Upper Malone Road would be healthier than Strand Millis. So again, I didn't pick the team that wins. But anyway, that's one of the healthiest wards in Belfast. Where's one of the worst health areas in the city? It's about 300 yards from us on the Lower Ormo. Now, if we were the healthiest country in the world and there was Uganda, the poorest country in the world, would we be doing something? We do do things to help but because this little community not far from us is not as healthy as the rest of us are, are we doing anything about that? At that partnership, they said that they're looking at three main issues in this area that are a problem. Alcohol and drugs, mental health, and isolation. And then they said to me, um, Steve, you're from the churches. Would you like to speak 
And I said, well, I just need to make an apology. I don't think we've been doing enough. I think we haven't been visible. I, uh, we're going to try and start this process, and we're in the ways of trying to engage with you more. And the girl at the top chairing it said, do you not to give uh, tea and coffee to students on a Thursday night? And I said, yeah, yeah, we do. Do you not go into Botanic Primary School and do some health classes with the, 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 the pupils there? And I said, we do. Is there not lunches in the church and in 119 that the older people can come to? And I says, there are. And she says, Steve, you guys are doing lots of stuff. It'll be really good to see the other stuff that you're doing, but never minimize what's already going on. God, flash on. I didn't think to tell her about it. She already knew about it. God, flash on. When Dorothy goes to those groups that look at the aged, we're in there. When Chris goes into the schools and gets involved in that, they notice. When we're on the streets on a Thursday night or on St. Patrick's Day, people see it. God, flash on. I think I'm led to believe, because I was the old chaplain, that 27 incidents of police crime, not the police doing crime, the police being involved in picking up students in the midst of crime happened on the first day of freshers in the Holy Land. This is where we live. This is what we need to be involved in. Let me, because communion's coming up and we've already had a very healthy and content-driven service, come to the vision at the end of it. We are a congregation who are particles of light across the city. But we need to be a congregation that don't shout at the people in this community. We get close enough to them to whisper and to give them tangibly the love of God. I said this, I think, in my Mark series, Isaiah 58, verse 12. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. This is what the people of God are going to be called. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. That's one of our vocations as the people of God. We will be restorers of streets and dwellings. We need to be flesh on as we do it. And then Heather shared with us at the session meeting on Thursday night, and she got hers and I got mine from Glenn Jordan, East Belfast Mission. We thank you, Glenn, for all your help to us in this. This is a wonderful image, and I had to go and look it up, Heather, but I found it through a concordance eventually. This is what the Lord Almighty says. This is what we're dreaming of. This is the kingdom that's coming in. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with a cane in his hand because of his age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. That's the biblical mandate of what we're working to. Desi would call it from Eden to a new Jerusalem, a garden city that our vocational rule as human beings and the body of Christ are here to bring in. I'm excited to be part of the possibility of bringing it in. We need to, in this neighborhood, not give them just the books of the Bible, not just tell them about concepts or ideas, not shout at them through a megaphone that they need to turn or burn. We need to move into their neighborhood. We need to get close enough to whisper. We need to be the Word of God made flesh. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that the Word became flesh and moved in among us. 
We thank you that we're not talking about concepts or that our faith is not built on concepts, but that our faith is built on Jesus Christ, someone who lived among us. And that as we come to you today with our excitement and our vision of what we want to do, that he's already modeled it in flesh for us. And that as we come today with our hurts and our pains and our struggles and our tears, that he is one who has lived and therefore can sympathize with us in our struggles. Envision us, Lord. Show us your word afresh and give us the courage to live it out. In Christ's name, amen.